Wow. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free on the ground. South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do. Cloudy just says, I'll take care of business right here. You give me this long to catch my breast, I'll come off the ball and rock you and get it right back for our offense. Well, you're going to make some mistakes in the course of a football game, but don't make a mistake against Jadavian Clowney. He'll ruin your day. Welcome to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. You've got Matt Smith here with you, and we plan to have some fun on this podcast. I will be joined regularly by longtime NFL safety, former first-round pick from the Gamecocks, Rick Sanford. We're going to have Rick talking football and hoops. He was a pretty good basketball player at Northwestern High School as well. Uh, almost went to Wake Forest on a basketball scholarship up there in tobacco country. But I'll let Rick tell you that story later. But what we're going to do in the Locked On Gamecocks podcast is we're going to be with you here every day giving you the latest in news and analysis and presenting discussion opportunities for you here on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Everything that's happening in Columbia, uh, around Founders Park, Colonial Life Arena, the practice fields as spring practice gets cranked up as well. We're going to have guests, those that follow the Gamecocks most closely. I certainly do that for sports talk, but we're going to get differing opinions. So there's a lot of different analysis coming to you on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. What you want to do is be sure to subscribe. And you can do that at Google, Spotify, Apple, anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. You subscribe to us. It'll pop up for you every day, and you can track your Gamecocks. It's your team every day. So I said Rick Sanford will join us uh, and we'll do that coming up on Monday but we're going, because we're going to start doing the analysis on the Gamecock spring practice. We'll take a look at that roster, what's coming back and what Mike Bobo might do with that offense. And Rick Sanford has some pretty strong thoughts on that. We'll also reach out to some of the writers that cover football on a daily basis. And right now, though, my focus is on hoops and baseball because Frank Martin has his team poised with an opportunity to get back to the NCAA tournament. Big game coming up this weekend at home, Colonial Life Arena against LSU. We've got some clips, actually, from both Mike Morgan of the SEC Network and Gary Parrish of CBS Sports talking about that game and the Gamecocks' chances of making the NCAA tournament. And in our next segment, we're going to talk with Ryan Clary, Fox Sports Spartanburg, who's as locked into Gamecock baseball as anybody. I'm going to reach out to Ryan Clary often, John Whittle from TheBigSpur.com, because those two really know baseball and they really know the SEC landscape and how South Carolina fits into it. We'll break down their upcoming series against Northwestern. Spoiler alert, Northwestern is overmatched, but how good is this South Carolina team? They're only hitting 241 as a team. Uh, well, they did 241 as a team against Holy Cross. They raised that average a little bit in the win uh, over PC, but where is this team offensively with all of the influx of junior college talent and Hey, is this pitching staff as good as they seem? We'll talk to Ryan Clary about that coming up in our next segment. And we've still got those clips coming about college basketball. And I'll make my pick for South Carolina and LSU. Speaking of basketball, uh, if we're covering a lot of ground, we have to talk about Dawn Staley's number one Gamecocks. They win again last night, 
63-48 uh, over LSU for Dawn Staley. Uh, South Carolina raced out to a 12-0 lead, but then there were some questionable calls in the game. LSU ended up closing the gap. South Carolina turned the ball over quite a bit, but by the end, South Carolina overwhelmed LSU 63-48. Aaliyah Boston tallied another five blocks, and why is that so important? That gives Aaliyah 75 on the season, a new school mark, breaking the old record, which wasn't very old, previously held by Elena Coates. So for Dawn Staley and her her club, the next game is Sunday at Kentucky. With a win, the Gamecocks clinch a share of the SEC League title. But, of course, they have their sights set a little bit higher. All right, when we come back, we're doing baseball with Ryan Clary. If you do what I do, listen to Open Mic Daily. It's out of the Spartanburg, the Greenville-Spartanburg market. It's right there in Spartanburg, SpartanburgSportsRadio.com. If you like college baseball and you want to track what's happening in the SEC and ACC in college baseball, listen to that show. Anthony Greer, Ryan Clary, they do it like none other, which is why I reached out to Ryan to see if what I'm seeing with Gamecock baseball is what he is seeing. And we'll talk about it in terms of a wide perspective. Where is the program? What the expectations should be? For South Carolina Gamecock baseball fans, and then we'll really dig in. You get into the weeds a little bit. Uh, what does this pitching staff look like behind ace Carmen Majinski? What's the approach of this team, and can they put into execution what Mark Kingston wants to do from an offensive standpoint? All of that coming up in our next segment. Be sure to join us every day. Subscribe, Google, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher. Tune in and more. If, wherever you find your favorite podcast, you'll find the Locked On Podcast Network and the brand new Locked On Gamecocks podcast. It's your team every day. This is the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. We've got Ryan Clary joining us now from Fox Sports Spartanburg. I want to talk to Ryan about where this baseball program is under Mark Kingston and what the expectations should be. Right now, it's not an elite program. The way that it was, back-to-back national championships under Ray Tanner, 2010-2011. Everybody remembers those days and those names, Michael Roth and... Jackie Bradley Jr., Christian Walker, Scott Wingo, and others making big plays, doing the little things. Well, this Gamecock program hasn't done that recently. Not only have they not been challenging for College World Series championships, they haven't been doing a lot of the little things. It was a tough watch last year seeing so many strikeouts, a team that just hit 236. So can they turn that around? We'll talk to Ryan about where they are as a program Big picture right now, where they're headed, what the expectations should be, all the way down to the details of this weekend as the Gamecocks host Northwestern, a team that's only one and two on the season, finished below 500 last year, outside the top 100 RPI. Should Gamecock fans expect a sweep? Two out of three, what's legitimate? But let's start 
big picture. Where is South Carolina as a baseball program right now? They're just kind of average, and they could get back there quickly because you remember if you go back to 1999 where Marcos Rios was the catcher, I mean, they were very average that year. And then in 2000, they were the best team in the country for two months. And and literally, they were number one in the country for two months, and that was the year they lost to Lafayette, the Super Regionals. I know, I just made everybody mad, but that was the year Brandon Pack came in as the catcher. They brought in Peter Bauer, and they had all these guys because of JUCO. You can get back to the top quicker. It's the question is, do you have the foundation of freshmen consistently coming in to sustain it? And and that's where uh, that's the difference, because you you see a lot in college baseball teams getting up there quickly. But then can they hold it? And that's what's so impressive about about what Arkansas is doing right now. Arkansas had that great team a couple years ago. And if the right fielder would have grown up and and ran in and, and called everybody off, Arkansas would have won the national title that year. Instead, they let a second baseman run backwards and try to catch it, which was stupid. But they would have won the national title. Well, everyone thought they were going to take a step back, but because they had done so well in recruiting freshmen, they've actually shown they're consistently right there. I think South Carolina is a ways away from that. But what South Carolina can do is because of junior college pitching, and I saw Thomas Farr pitch on Wednesday against PC, South Carolina has gone from having no pitchers and giving up 22 runs on a Friday to having some legit arms even in midweek. Now, some of those are JUCO transfers that may only be here one year, but you can fix it pretty quick. The question is, can you hold it? And I still think South Carolina's a ways from that. They did bring in some JUCO bats, and I got to speak with Mark Kingston about this, about the approach of those players, because I, my concern was after last season, maybe this is just his approach. This is what he wants, but it it wasn't. He was as frustrated last season as anybody. The issue you might have right now, four games into the season, is that South Carolina kind of looks like their approach may be different, but the results are the same. Do you think this group of guys is going to hit for a high average or a high on base percentage? No, but they've scored a lot of runs in four games. Now against Holy Cross, they scored a boatload of runs. They walked 17 times in 20 innings but they only hit 241, and against that staff, that's not very good. Now, they scored 14 runs Wednesday night against PC, and they actually spread it all over the park. They At one point, they had 10 hits, and they had 10 singles. Um, so they can you know, they can slap it around a little bit. I, I still think in a division with Vanderbilt's pitching, and I don't know if what you saw Al Leiter's kid did the other day in his first career start with Florida and with Georgia's pitching, they're going to struggle, and when you play LSU – and Mississippi State, who my buddy Anthony thinks is going to win the national title this year, you know they're going to struggle against those top teams. Most of them are. The key is don't get swept. But I think South Carolina's biggest issue right now is they don't have a leadoff hitter. You know it was supposed to be Meyer, and then he struggled in January, and then you've got guys like Braylon Wimmer who's there now, and that's and he's great, and he's what you want in a leadoff hitter. He's going to steal a ton of bases. He stole seven bases in one weekend, three-game scrimmage weekend package in January. He's still seven bases in that one weekend. So he's your guy, but he's a freshman. Can he hold on to that? That's in, in late February, we can't answer that question right now. Maybe we can in a little bit. And there's certainly freshmen who come in and are big-time contributors at the top of the lineup consistently for a while. But I just don't think that it will – be somebody he will be somebody that can stay there at the top of the lineup all season he's going to have his lumps he's going to hit a freshman wall and that's concerning but that's that's fair that's it's not fair it's not fair to expect him not to 
So that will be interesting to follow this year because what Mark Kingston, like you said, wants to do is get two guys on base, hit and run, steal like crazy. They still can't bunt. I saw that the other night. But they want to run, 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 but you got to have the guys to get on base. They don't want Noah Campbell to be their leadoff hitter. They want to take some pressure off of him, but they kind of like him in that two-hole. So we'll see if Wimmer can hold on to that. If they can, that's going to take a lot of pressure off these guys like the grad transfer in um, and, and you know guys like Wes Clark who's moving, playing first base for the first time. He's got to be thinking about that a lot this year. We've seen in baseball when you switch positions, your batting numbers tend to go down that season. So It'll be interesting to see if South Carolina can keep their own on-base percentages up in the first two spots. Not necessarily who does it, but if we could go back this year and look at Carolina's success, what is their on-base percentage with their one- and two-hole hitters all season? I think that'll dictate on what type of season South Carolina will have. All right, and how about this weekend? What are the expectations starting Friday? Well, I mean, when you, it's great to get sweeps, and they got one against Holy Cross, and the good thing is you won't have that dinger of an RPI. College baseball is all about math and the RPI, and for South Carolina not to have one, uh, a loss against Holy Cross, that's going to help because they're not going to win a lot of games. And, and one of the keys in college baseball is to don't, get, to don't get swept by the big teams. Vanderbilt, if you can get wins, even if you lose the series, at the end of the day, if you play a lot of top 20 teams, you end up with a lot of wins against top 20 teams, even if you lose the series. That really helps your RPI. So anytime you can get sweeps, it's huge, but it's always the goal to win the series. And I think South Carolina's kind of due to have a loss because at some point they're not going to score 14 runs off of six hits like they did against Holy Cross. But they're hitting right now. They're playing with confidence right now, and they haven't started a season with confidence in a while in Columbia. I don't think there's any reason to think with that pitching staff that they won't win two out of three, especially home against Northwestern. Um, and I think that would be a good result for South Carolina if they were to do so. All right. Well, let's do two minutes on the basketball team. Of course, they took the loss at Mississippi State. A ton of turnovers. But Mike Coatsar continues to play well. Mm-hmm. Kuznard, he's kind of a high-volume guy, but he's going to get you points. And then they've got the rash of injuries. So right. How do you see them finishing, and how important is this game against LSU? In other words, it's kind of like a scale to one to ten. If you get this win, it's mm-hmm. almost as if it it doesn't. You, wins never cancel out losses, but it's almost like it's a good week if you just win this one. It, yeah, absolutely. Because again, you go back to the net index. There's no shame in losing to a quad two opponent on on the road. That doesn't kill you. And then if you turn around and get a quad one or quad two win at home, wherever LSU finishes up at. And remember, it's where they finish, which is so weird and stupid. Uh, it should be where they were within a month. They, they should, these numbers should reset every month because a team, because of injuries, you, you can have a great win in December, and because of injuries, it turns into a quad three home win. Well, that's really dumb because they're not the same team anymore. So, right, Georgia just beat Auburn, but Auburn was missing its best player. They didn't yes. really beat Auburn, if, right. if, if, if we're on, being honest. But on net index, they did, and which is so dumb. So I think they depend way too much on this stuff. That being said, though, if you split with Mississippi State on the road and LSU at home, that, that absolutely is a great week. I think South Carolina, uh, to, to say to make the NCAA tournament, do they have to beat LSU? No. I think if they finish 4-1, and one, though, and that's a tall task because you still got LSU at home, you got Mississippi State at home, but they play well at home. So if they can go 4-1, and one, that would put them at 20-11 and 12-6 and and in the SEC. I think going into the tournament, I think it would be insane to think that South Carolina wouldn't be on the inside 
of the bubble going into the SEC tournament. I actually think one of the weird keys for South Carolina would be not to finish fourth, but to finish fifth. And I know it wouldn't be a great net index win, but it would give you a 21st win overall. And in a year where Duke can beat Notre Dame by 32 and lose to NC State by 22, imagine how weak the bubble is this year. And I think if you can look at a team in a conference with an Auburn, with Kentucky, with a, you know an LSU, and you can say, you know, that team went 12-6 and six in that conference with wins over Kentucky and on the road against Arkansas. And, of course, in this scenario, you've got another at least a win over Mississippi State or an LSU. And then if you can get to 21 wins, I, I, I'd be, it'd be really hard to keep them out. And I know they were held out a couple years ago with 23 wins. And I know they have the really bad losses that Frank Martin likes to tell Gamecock fans that these are lessons learned. There's nothing learned from the Stetson game. I watched every minute of that game. It was pathetic. You beat Stetson, you're in right now anyway. But I think that South Carolina, I think they're going to have to finish strong. But I think one of the things that they'll need is that win total. Because, again, when the, when the, the minds in that room get out of the index numbers and they just take a step back and look, they're going to look at South Carolina and go, that team won a lot of games in 2020. And I think if South Carolina can be a team that can say that and can present that argument, I think they'll be in pretty good shape. Now, if they finish 3-2, and two, I think they're going to have to win a game or two in the SEC tournament. And, and seriously, and maybe even two, you get to the semifinal round, I think it's real hard to keep South Carolina out. Ben McMahon will be the pinch hitter in the last chance for the Florida Gators. Now this ball is into left center field. Jackie Bradley makes the catch. South Carolina has done it. Back-to-back national titles. Great stuff there from Ryan Clary in our last segment about South Carolina baseball and hoops there at the end. And that's how we'll finish the stretch here, uh, talking about Gamecocks basketball and looking ahead to that LSU game coming up this weekend at Colonial Life Arena. LSU, a team that's lost four of five, but we know the talent is there. We'll hear Mike Morgan talk about that from the SEC Network in a minute. But first, I want to let you hear from Gary Parrish, who joined us on Sports Talk. Um as he talks about the Gamecocks and uh, Gary Parrish from CBS Sports, the position the Gamecocks find themselves in, that favorable finishing stretch, you know, the fact they put a lot of hay in the barn and picked up some big wins, including Kentucky and Virginia. Unfortunately, no one's forgotten about the Stetson loss, and you'll hear Gary talk about that. But Gary Parrish, CBS Sports, likes the position South Carolina finds itself in with just a handful of games remaining. You know, I think they're probably, with five regular season games remaining, going to be favorites in four of those five, you know, starting this weekend uh, against LSU. Um, the only one where there'll be an obvious underdog will be uh, the road game at Alabama. And so they've got an opportunity to close strong. And so they just need to add quality wins and, uh, and like everybody else, avoid bad losses. They're three and six in quadrant one opportunities right now, four and two in quadrant two. The killer, and not necessarily a killer, but the real, uh, at least a problem, is that you know they've got a quad three loss and then that quad four loss. 
which is a loss to, to Stetson. That, that, that's a bad thing to have on your resume when you're on the bubble. But it is February 20th, and Frank has his team at least in a position to, to challenge and compete for an NCAA tournament berth. And that's a, that's a pretty good place to be in. And before we hear from Mike Morgan, SEC Network, I do want Gary to get his message out there about coachingforliteracy.org. The game between South Carolina and LSU is this week's Coaches for Literacy game. And I want Gary to tell you in detail why this is important to him. Uh, I think it's an important message. I wanted to include it here in the Locked on Gamecocks podcast. Yeah, it's a terrific foundation that I got involved with a, a few years ago. And if you watch South Carolina's game with LSU, you might notice that Frank and his staff are going to be wearing green ties or green lapel pins. It's designed to bring attention to the Coaching for Literacy Foundation. It's a foundation that works with sports teams, players, businesses, fans nationwide to generate awareness about the importance of literacy because as wild as this is to believe, it is true. 65% of American fourth graders cannot read on grade level. That surprised me the first time I heard it. We think of ourselves as such an advanced country, but our youth are struggling with reading. And studies show that if you cannot read properly, eventually you're going to struggle to get a job. You'll be more likely to live in poverty, more likely to commit crimes. It's all connected on some level. And that's what Coaching for Literacy is working to change. Like I said, it started as a foundation, uh, very small. But just in a few years, they've conducted more than 130 of these Fight for Literacy games with more than 50 different NCAA teams. They've raised uh, more than $300,000 to fund 85 literacy projects, supporting more than 15,000 children nationwide. And the great thing is that the money raised is reinvested in the community in which it's raised. So this money that's generated from Saturday's game in South Carolina will be reinvested in the South Carolina community via the Richland One Magnet Program and Weber Elementary. And so if folks want to learn more, you can go to coachingforliteracy.org or just text Gamecocks for Lit to 71777. That's Gamecocks for Lit to 71777. And I appreciate you guys even letting me talk about it for a few minutes. And that is happening Saturday, Colonial Life Arena, South Carolina and LSU. Now, let's hear a little bit from Mike Morgan, SEC Network broadcaster who sees the SEC all around it. You know, he understands the landscape. Uh, he sees the good and the bad. He's seen the best efforts and worst, worst efforts uh, from some of these SEC teams. And Mike has an interesting perspective on the Gamecocks' place in the conference and how their finishing stretch looks. We will actually work to get Mike Morgan on uh, as, as an interview guest here shortly on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast because Mike has so much to offer. Uh, great mind for baseball, basketball, and football, and he sees it all there working for the SEC Network. So here's Mike on the, the Gamecocks spot in the conference, what it looks like out of big picture, and just as kind of echoing Gary's thoughts about how it's a favorable schedule down the stretch for Frank Martin, A.J. Lawson, Jermaine Kuznard, and company. Oh, no question. Uh, I think they have to beat Vanderbilt, even if they play that one in Jerry Stackhouse's backyard. <laughs> uh, I, I have the game at Alabama. I think that's going to be a critical game. I just had Alabama last night, and they uh, really took a, a, a gut punch by Texas A&M at home. That's a game you just can't lose if you're on the bubble. So Alabama now is almost in identical an identical position as South Carolina is. And then you have Mississippi State, then you have Arkansas, and everybody else is pretty much immaterial. And then, of course, you've got the top four, who I think are, are pretty much locks. I mean, I, 
I know some people still think Florida, as uh, enigmatic as they've been, could all of a sudden get back in a precarious spot. I don't believe they will. I, I think it's going to be, you know, Florida, Kentucky, LSU, and Auburn, to me, are virtual locks. And then the question is, will the SEC get another one or two in there? And obviously, South Carolina's in that equation. And what about that game against LSU this weekend? Uh, if you haven't been, you know, tracking all of these teams and watching every game that maybe Auburn and Kentucky and LSU are playing, you may not know the ins and outs, but here Mike Morgan does a great job detailing where exactly LSU is vulnerable and where Coach Martin will want to attack. I guess we'll have to wait till till what, Saturday to see what the, what the Vegas line will be. My guess would be LSU would be a slight favorite. I mean, really slight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think LSU top to bottom is a more talented team. I don't think that's a very controversial statement. Um, you bring up a good point. They have not been playing their best basketball of late. Uh, but if even you look at it, though, their loss, it's not like they're getting crushed. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't understand how Duke is blown out by 22 points to an unranked NC State team, but that's kind of the way it's been in college basketball this year. If you look at LSU's losses, they're all like down to the wire. You know, I had them a couple weeks ago at Auburn. They lose at overtime. They lost a close one at home against Kentucky. I mean, they're not getting blown out. They can score on anybody. The problem is they got three guys, and Will Wade told me this, and I won't say the names of the players on radio, but they got three guys that don't defend anybody. Mm. And I guarantee you Frank Martin and that coaching staff will pinpoint who those three three guys are, get them in ball screens, get them in situations where the matchups are favorable, to the Gamecock offense, and they'll take advantage of that. And then at that point, it's just a matter of can Carolina's defense have a good night against one of the top offenses in this league in LSU. So I think it's going to be a really, really intriguing and entertaining game. I'd be surprised if it wasn't close. Mike expects a close one, and so do the computers. I was just looking at uh, the Donchus ratings and, and some of the computer projections for LSU and South Carolina, wondering, you know, maybe they're getting a little bit closer. Uh, the Gamecocks playing really well recently, despite the loss to Mississippi State, but that was a road loss to a good team, tough matchup. Uh, LSU losing four of five, but we know their their level of talent, and as Mike uh, detailed, you know, a lot of those games have been close. So wh- what do the computers think? Well, the computers have it as an absolute toss-up. They've got South Carolina's chances of winning at 50.7% to 49.3% to LSU. So, uh, you know, really tight there. South Carolina getting a little bit of, uh, you know, the math falling their way a little bit because of home court advantage at Colonial Life Arena. But LSU has talent. They could flip the switch at any moment, and you know they're still fighting for NCAA positioning, so they have all the reason in the world to put forth their best effort Saturday in Columbia. All right, well, that wraps up this edition of the Locked on Gamecocks podcast, but be sure to be back with us bright and early Monday morning because we are doing football with Rick Sanford, seven-year NFL veteran, the first first first-round pick in South Carolina Gamecocks football history. We're going to talk about what Mike Bobo's offense might look like when the Gamecocks take the field this fall and what they need to work on this spring. We'll do that when we're back with you. Be sure to be back with us. It's your team every day, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.